0: To chat with my dad, and he recognised all the signs because he'd been through this stuff, you know. And he said, you know, Clint, you sound to me like you're severely depressed, and you, you probably need to go see a doctor. And uh, and I sort of was like, you know, okay, I'll go do it because I, I trusted what he said, and I did. And I started taking medication, and um, within two or three weeks, it was almost like as if this sort of dark cloud over my head started to lift, and and my dad actually explained this to me. He said, this is what's going to happen. You feel like this now, and after you've, you've taken medication for two or three weeks, um, you're going to look back at what you were thinking and be like, what the hell was going on in my head? And that's exactly what happened. Like after you know, two or three weeks of medication, I started to think, wow, well, how did I get to this point where I was feeling like that? Like I just didn't understand.
1: What is up everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel and this is the Open Up Podcast, a show where real people open up and share real stories of struggle. (laughs) <laughs> Drummer days
0: Yeah Drummer boy <laughs> um, Good to go? Yep Solid Too <laughs>
1: <laughs> What is up everyone? I am Lachlan Samuel and this is the Open Up Podcast episode number 20 with Clinton Hodgkins here's the manager of RFX or Raw Fitness CrossFit. Thank you for taking the time to be here, brother. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, like we were saying just before the episode, we usually kick off with childhood. And um, you've got a little bit of family history in terms of what we're going to be talking about with anxiety and depression. Did you want to kick us off and walk us through that?
0: Yeah, so um, I guess as a... As a child or, or a kid, I didn't really know much about what was going on with my family. Um, it wasn't until I was older that I realised there was a kind of like a history, so it was sort of learnt after the fact. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, my, my dad has suffered with various forms of depression and anxiety. I think he's diagnosed bipolar, okay. um, and he's been uh, hospitalised a couple of times. Just uh, due yeah. to some nervous breakdowns. And what's bipolar? Uh, my understanding is basically you go on like it's like manic depression, so you go on these sort of highs um, and these are sort of uncontrollable lows, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I mean I don't know the exact. So
1: like mood swings.
0: Yeah. Like real yeah. Big mood swings. Or? Yeah, someone with um, bipolar could definitely have fairly severe mood swings. They kind of go a little bit manic, which they get a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think I actually worked with someone, not too recently, Yeah, had that. Yeah. And it was like flicking a switch. It can be, yeah. I, I've, like I had a childhood friend who, um, whose mum was manic and she would literally flip hard and just go crazy, yeah. It wasn't like, I guess there's sort of certain different levels of it, but they just can't cope and they do crazy shit, you know. Yeah. So was uh, that the norm for you? Or was that was was that scary? At all? Uh, so I don't. My dad never went crazy. Oh, okay. So that wasn't his level. Yep. Like, I think um, he he was very irritable when when we were younger. Um, but uh, you know, we we didn't sort of get most of that. If you know what I mean, I think okay. it was more of a battle inside for him. Yep. You know. Um. So. And the couple of times where where he had uh, mental breakdowns, that was, you know, due to stresses within life that just got too much that he couldn't cope, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, So, and uh, his sister as well goes through those manic phases. Uh, And um, I guess when I was younger, I used to suffer extremely bad with anxiety, like from a very young age. I, I remember at the age of maybe seven or eight, like just, you know, being so scared of, of dying, for example, yeah. like that. I, I, I suffered like so bad. I had really, yeah. Like I'd have regular trips in my parents' room, like with like panic attacks about like, what's going to happen? Like, why does this have to happen? All that sort of stuff. Like that was one of my big things as a kid. Um, and and ticks as well. So like the uncontrollable ticks, if you know what I mean. Like I have to scrunch up my face, or you know. Really. But yeah, it was like. From that old. Yeah, from really young. Wow. Um and I I see these actually my own daughter. I, she I'm going through the same things with her right now. She's she's ten and she's having issues with anxiety and she asked me that exact same question the other night you know like why we have to die i don't understand you know and i was just like oh my this is i've i've been through this like yeah. i kind of feel for her you know what i mean do you feel like you're in a position to help her um definitely yeah i'm trying my best to, that's cool yeah. it's
1: one plus i guess of look being able to give you give yourself that time to be introspective and look back at yeah. something
0: like that kind of gives me a little bit more um sympathy or, or yeah. you know like well not sympathy but like um what's the word um empathy empathy yeah like a, it's not just like oh shut up and go to sleep it's yeah. more like you're actually feeling something here yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah most people would just be like you're not gonna die just shush yeah yeah <laughs> uh i think in a way too like from a personal point of view we weren't growing up with a, a, a religion or a faith yeah if you know what i mean so we never had that kind of like you know you're going to go to heaven type thing or, or or we sort of did but there was never any of that you know it, which in a in a way I sometimes think like it would have been nice yep. you know, <laughs> if we had that because I wouldn't have had to have gone through that stress you
1: know yeah because a lot of religions they find peace in dying yeah yeah so and
0: uh you whereas
1: know, <laughs> people like us yeah <laughs> probably just fades the black when you die yeah yeah
0: <laughs> well you know I guess uh there's that Depends on on what faith you have, really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously that that was a bit of family history. Sort of diverged a little bit there, um, but it wasn't until so when I was sixteen, I moved out of home. Mm-hmm. I didn't do well in school. Like I never really had good attention span, and and I didn't really enjoy school at all. I was I pretty much failed miserably. <laughs> um, and uh, so when I was sixteen, I was like. You know, looking for the, the grass being greener on the other side, I moved out, um, and that sort of failed miserably. Um, on a $195 apprenticeship wage, I was a cabinet maker. Damn. Uh, $195, sorry, a, a week, and that didn't last very long. So I actually ended up going out to Kalgoorlie um, and playing in a band. <laughs> so <laughs> I went out there and started playing in a band because I, I played the drums and um, ended up getting a job. Uh, with Ausdrill, doing drillers off siding. Yeah. It's a hard job, man. Yeah, that was a... Yeah, if there's one way to man up a little bit, like, go out and do that. Especially when you're with some of the old school drillers, they really really sort of make things hard for you. But that's probably, for me, the start of where I really started to suffer. Um, I was probably 18, around about that time.
1: Yeah. And that's just from anxiety at this point? Uh,
0: Yeah, I'd say more anxiety. Like, I was... I really struggled with being away from from the fun stuff that was you know going on back in Perth which I don't know if there was any fun stuff but I guess I had major FOMO yeah and um, just sort of being on your own all the time Um, I I used to you know constantly I never felt really comfortable in my own skin and I had anxiety and I I was scared of a lot of things Um, and I went through a stage where, like, I had physical manifestation of my anxiety. So, like, I would get—I um, actually thought I had stomach ulcers. I had stabbing pains in my stomach that were so bad. Um, and this happened over a course of twelve months, like multiple times. And I would go to the doctors and I'd be like, you know, hey, like, what's going on? And there was absolutely nothing wrong with me um, physically. And and I didn't understand that. Now I. I I didn't understand it then, but now I kind of think, well, I, I actually know what was happening. Like, I know that we, we can create our own pain. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of like, I wasn't medicated at this point or or, um, or, or doing any kind of like self-work, sort of like healing myself.
1: Yeah. So, sorry, you just said um, like in amongst that, that you weren't comfortable in your own skin. Was that something that you dealt with? throughout your entire
0: yeah. life till that point? Uh, it, yeah, I was, we we moved around a lot when I was a kid and I was always a bit of an oddball. Like I never really fit in anywhere. In what way? Um, oh, I just, I didn't make friends that easy. I like might have one friend, but I was bullied chronically at school, like really badly. Okay. Um, I was always tall, lanky, a bit, you know, sort of just, an easy target and never around for that long. So I'm actually, you're sort of bringing up memories for me now, I remember times where my mum would come down and pick me up from school, um, take me home to have lunch just because like the the amount of like hardship I was having at school, you know. Yeah. And that happened all the way through, um, I probably went to about 12 different schools. Shit. Um, and that happened all the way through to about year 11. Wow. <laughs> and I, um, well, it was probably more so, when I say year 11, like I left school in year 10, okay. take took a year off, went back for six months, was going to try and finish it. And then that last six months, I kind of made some friends. Um, and that was the sort of first time, like I'd, I'd sort of got a group of friends rather than, and fit in somewhere rather than just cop it. You know what I mean?
1: Okay. Well, did anything change between that time, like leaving school, after having been bullied to when you go back and no, find friends?
0: nothing changed except for I got a car because I was one year older than everyone else, so oh, okay. that was my ticket to being cool, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> as sad as it is, <laughs> that was the reality of the situation, so. Yeah, well, some of, that, some of that stuff,
1: especially from bullying in school, when you're taught that you're not welcome or that how you are isn't good enough, that ha- that leaves a lasting impact.
0: Is is that still with you at this point? Is that something you're still <coughs> affected by? I'm so unaffected by it now. It's ridiculous. I've done a lot of work now, and I, and I like wear the badge of uncoolness like a badge of honour. <laughs> like I, I want people around me that are uncool because I I feel like if you're trying to fit in, you know, you're not giving you all. You know what I yeah. mean? um that's why like i don't know people see me down at the gym all the time and i, I you know like i'll wear a headband and wrist wraps and like the odd colored shit And no, i just like you know i don't care yeah like i've 100 percent confidence in myself you know what i mean so did you live like that while you're being bullied and did that play a part no no nah. nah. no so you're trying to fit in then? I wasn't necessarily... I don't know if I knew how to fit in. Okay. Um, I guess... Yeah, I, I let it affect me, should I say, more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so the result of being bullied affected me really badly. Because um, it, it's not a nice feeling, you know what no, I mean? it's not. But whereas now, like, if somebody doesn't like me, I'm like, well, good on you. <laughs> like. <Yeah. laughs> You clearly don't like yourself, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, there's no reason to dislike somebody. I mean, aside from the fact if they do something really wrong towards you, but then that's debatable whether or not you waste your time on letting that affect you, yep. you know? Okay. Um, I guess getting back to where you're starting to
1: realize you have these anxious, tics or tendencies, mm. is that
0: in Kalgoorlie? Yeah, so. Um, Probably around that age of 18 was kind of where drugs came into the scene a little bit. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> um, Pull your cord off the... Yeah. Yeah, so, so basically, um, it sort of got to that age where everyone was trying Eckies and Speed and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I was very anti that, but eventually sort of the peer pressure came on and, and I got into it a little bit. Not to the point where... I was like, you know, bad. Yeah. But there was a good few years of my life there where I was in that party scene and, and living it up a little bit. And that kind of coincided with where depression and anxiety for me really set in hard. Um, and I don't know whether the two are interlinked, but I'm going to assume that they are. Yeah. And
1: um, can you explain what you mean by that? Well, what your take on that is?
0: Well... Whether or not the the drugs themselves have a, l- a long term effect on your mental health, like right. what does you know going out and writing yourself off every weekend do? You know, like yes. it, um, I'm assuming it, it it has something to do with with mental health. Like you yes. see a lot of people that you know, well, you hear a lot of stories of people that get psychotic after they do certain things, and I, and I guess I wasn't like smoking bowls of crack every weekend and stuff. That, <laughs> but in saying that, I had friends or, or acquaintances that got to that point and got to the point where they were dealing and went to jail and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but I wanna mention it because I wish that I, I never got to that point. Like I'm glad everything that I've done, that I've done in my life like has always been a good learning for me, right? Yep. And I don't know, you gotta debate whether or not if you didn't do it, whether you would have that learning. But um, I kind of look back at that like I, I feel like I would have been a lot better off had I stuck to my guns and, and um, not jumped onto that bandwagon of party drugs and stuff like that, especially okay. for my mental health. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I feel strongly about, like even for young kids, like they're going to get into that stuff early, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. But if, uh, if we could, you know... Um, sort of get a message out to them that would be to you know like it's not worth it really yeah um so sort of yeah go on before we move on
1: from that one um talking about like learning lessons from certain periods in your life is there a lesson you can take from that period having you know jumped on that bandwagon and tried all these different party drugs
0: um yep I mean it's it's kind of a hard one because like I mean it was over a period of you know probably five or six years that I was using drugs yeah like wasn't like a, I was never you know I'm um, like addicted in a sense where I had to have drugs every weekend and that sort of stuff but it was just more of like a social thing yeah um, but uh, One thing that they do do is they make you feel like you cannot have fun without them. Yes, Yeah. I know that man, (laughs) I know that feeling. And that feeling took me a long time to get rid of, to the point where like you could, you know, you might like, it might be two years since you've had your last pill or something and you go and get drunk and you still have that feeling, you know, And, and it's like, you know, that took me a long time, but you don't need that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> as you go on in life, you learn there are other ways to, to to feel fulfilled. And I think that's the thing, like, you're looking to feel that feeling of fulfilledness, you know, that's what ecstasy does. Like, it makes you feel yeah. fucking amazing. And then... It takes away the barriers, man, your self limiting yeah, beliefs. Yeah. Um, but then you're just con- constantly chasing that. And, yeah. you know, I, I would... I would almost... Um, Say that I, from the first three weeks of taking ecstasy, it was never as good again.
1: Nah,
0: no. <laughs> and you're always chasing. That unless there was feeling, more <laughs> in it. Unless there was more in it. Yeah, I know. you're Like, um, I guess we're sort of diverging here, but that's all right. But it was like you'd go and have one pill, and then uh, a few weeks later, you know, that's all you needed. A few weeks later, you're like, you know, one pill didn't do much, and then. Then you'd end up having one and a half pills. And then the week, the weekend later, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to start drinking with this stuff. So then you'd start drinking with it. And then the next minute, you're like, you know, you're drinking an insane amount of booze. You're having multiple pills a night. You're like, it just, it gets out of hand, hey? Yeah. I
1: know exactly what you mean. Because I started off taking, well, just getting drunk and then got introduced to ecstasy at dance parties. And then it was like, oh, I'll have one or two every dance party. And then it ended up becoming like, fucking Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not having ecstasy, ended up buying bags and then ended up selling and then ended up waking up and having ecstasy with breakfast. Yeah, Yeah, bro, it's just this hole and like you you feel like you can't have fun, you can't cope... Without it. Without it, yeah. Yeah.
0: I get that 100%. Um, And, you know, you're always just chasing some, that feeling, you know what I mean? And it's just, you never get that again.
1: Yeah, and I think if people understand that they can get the same feeling from something like exercise. Yeah. Or meditation. Any of that sort of shit. Like if you can get it naturally and you don't need to Definitely ingest drugs that you don't know what the fuck's in them.
0: Yeah, I mean for me, like, I get my fulfillment now from (coughs) helping other people, like in what I do, which is CrossFit. Like I literally love it. Um, I also get a lot of fulfillment out of learning, and I get fulfillment out of, um, well, teaching and learning. Um, I get fulfillment out of my family. Um, I actually don't enjoy going out much at all. You know, I had a full flip. I love my own time. You know, I spend a lot of time in my head. <laughs> but I really enjoy it, I could sit in my head and, and, and really sort of like be content with my own company Whereas I couldn't do that with anxiety and depression, you can't do that because you're miserable in your own head. Yeah. You know, I'm happy in my own head.
1: Yeah. But do you think with anxiety and
0: depression, it's because you lack that fulfilment? Uh, that's a big part of it, I think. Um, so. Okay, let's rewind all. Let's the way rewind. <laughs> so, um, from about the age from eighteen you know, to to 20 with that going on. Yeah. I um, started to feel pretty low. uh, Like I had these thoughts in my head. Like, I, I, what am I, what, why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, why, what is life even about? I know I have to go to work and earn money, but I don't want to. I don't know why I'm doing this. And it was constantly asking myself questions I would catastrophize a lot have you ever heard of that Mm, no i don't think so so imagine that um like you're holding that pen right yeah like i would have an image flash into my head like of me ramming my head into a table with that pen stuck in my eye (laughs) (laughs) like it's fucked up right (laughs) um or like like just this you know like i would stab someone you know what i mean and and um, it was I went and saw a psychologist about this and there's like this is a, a thing that actually happens and it's, it's not you're going to do it but it's like people go through this stuff, I thought I was fucked up, like I thought like holy shit like I'm imagining myself stabbing someone or, or myself you know like and, it, and it's and, and you know she, she was like oh this is what this is and this happens you know this, isn't, means you, this doesn't mean you're fucked up in the head and you're going to do it That was a lot of relief for me, to be honest. That was something I didn't want to tell anyone, you know what I mean? Um, But anyway, I actually, um, uh, I just wasn't happy. I was irritable as shit. Like I'd spend hours a day in my own head, just hating life. And I never was suicidal. I've always been way too scared of dying to be suicidal. I I don't know, like. You had that problem as a kid. Yeah, right. Um, I never was, but I think left, the way I was eventually I probably could have become because yeah. there was no point to anything. Yeah. So it was like, well, what was the point of continuing now if there's no point to continuing later, you know? So <coughs> I actually went uh, for a visit um, home uh, from Kalgoorlie back to Perth and had a chat with my dad and he recognized all the signs because he'd been through this stuff, you know? Yeah. And he said, you know, Clint, you're, you sound to me like you're severely depressed and you, you probably need to go see a doctor. And uh, and I sort of was like, you know, okay, I'll go do it because I, I trusted what he said and I did and I started taking medication and um, within two or three weeks, it was almost like as if this sort of dark cloud over my head started to lift. And, and my dad actually explained this to me. He said, this is what's going to happen. You feel like this now and after you've, you've taken medication for two or three weeks this is my son in the background, (laughs) Um, you're going to look back at what you were thinking and be like, what the hell was going on in my head? And that's exactly what happened. Like after, you know, two or three weeks of medication, I started to think, wow, how did I get to this point where I was feeling like that? Like I just didn't understand. And funny enough, I've always been one of those people that are like, ah, I don't want to be reliant on anything. I don't want to be reliant on antidepressants or, you know, it's something I can fix in my own head, but, um, you know, that's not the case. Uh, you know, and in, in in that story, I think if, if, if you're at that point, like, you, you're not doing... You don't have to be ashamed of going to get help and, and taking antidepressants, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I think there's a good reason for them to be in the market yes yep and the reason I think that is is because um, it takes a lot of work on yourself to um, become aware of what's going on and how to cope with those things and you can't do that in that state of depression so what do you do you know do you suffer for months and months on end while you're going away and doing all this work to help you get better or do you use medication to just to help you get over that initial like low and then go and do the work and then once you are once you can um, control or or once you feel happy and in control whilst you're on medication and you're, then you can pro- probably look at dialing back and coming off it, but so for me, um, that was to this day, a 15 year journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, like just touching on
1: what you're saying about medication and like whether or not you go on it, I know a lot of people are hesitant or even, um, not too big of fans of people getting on antidepressants because of their negative side effects but i think what you're saying makes a lot of sense and people have to realize that a lot of the people who are against getting on medication usually have that flip of the switch like they've attempted suicide and, and had that realization like holy shit i want to live my life i better start trying to do something about it whereas if you're just spiraling out of control and you can't control it you need that time back and it's sort of like what meditation gives you it gives you that time to step back and analyze what the hell you're thinking
0: you also might not just be that sort of person who will do the the work exactly (laughs) like and if you're not going to do the work are you going to be miserable (laughs) like like it 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 definitely takes a lot of effort mentally like even now I've, I've done years of, of work. I've read stacks of books on depression and anxiety, and I've done all the study, and I've done all, I've multiple, hundreds of sessions of psychiatry and psychology and, and um, you know, cognitive therapy and, and like life coaches and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the one thing that I didn't do, like I actually almost resigned myself to the fact that I was never going to come off antidepressants that didn't sit well with me. Yeah. And um, I think that's a little bit of like, I like to choose my words carefully because I don't want people to, to get the message wrong, but I think they can become a clutch Yeah. Uh, in a sense that um, you are depressed now, so you need medication um, and there's a chemical imbalance in your brain, so you're, you're always going to need that medication, and it sort of closes off the idea that there is any other way, Yeah. do you know what I mean? So, and that's sort of on my family side, that's kind of like their mindset, I think, um, you know, from my mum and my dad's side, and I think that's partly because I don't know that my dad could ever be unmedicated, if you know what I mean? Yeah not saying he couldn't I just don't think um, he's and he's someone who would work on it is that what you mean or maybe not or maybe just that you do sustain a certain level of permanent damage when you have um, mental breakdowns Mm -hmm. Um, like there is some level of damage like if you get your brain scanned, there's some certain damage that happens because of the amount of stress that your brain goes under when it happens but yeah, there's a lot of things that you have to do, like exercise, eat healthy, that, and you've got to be willing to do those things, you know what I mean? Uh, and I don't know that he'll ever <laughs> be like that, you know? Uh, and maybe he doesn't want to, you know what I mean? Maybe he's happy where he's at now, you know? Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, but I've always been very outgoing and active, and I've, I've always wanted to better myself. Um, not necessarily always successful at it, but I've always tried. So um, for me, uh, I've done so many different experimentations on myself and not illegal ones <laughs> uh, over the years. Yeah. But I still found over the years, like there's always been too many stresses in my life for me to feel confident enough. Like I'd always had the ticks. I'd always go through ups and downs. I'd always have stressful times. I always wasn't feeling comfortable in my own skin like i never got that you know what i mean like i never yeah. really um i never really got to a point where i was confident enough to try to come off and if i did i'd, I'd feel bad so like i i'd i'd get, i never had the guts okay so, um, you, so you never tried at all i think i tried a couple of times and um one time i did and then i sort of got depressed again and you know but i wasn't ready yeah um were you, do you think you are trying to, were you trying to come off cold turkey or were nah. you weaning like you? Um, I was, the time that I did try to come off, I did wean. Um, and when you do come off, you go on a high straight away. Yeah? Yeah. For a couple of weeks and then boom. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the trap. You like come off and you're like, yeah, man, I feel great. Like, you know, and then a few weeks later, boom, you know. So you got to be careful. You got to be. You got to be ready for it. If you've been on antidepressants for a long period of time, your body has been creating serotonin or whatever drug it, it's trying to replace by, um, it's like synthetically. So you've got to, your body for one is going to have to start to produce it itself, um, and that takes time. So even though you're spending more and more, if, even if you take a long time to wean off, you've got to have the tools in the shed to be able to, to cope with those those moments where you where you're getting a little bit sort of like hard done by yeah and
1: so for people who are considering medication and their barrier to actually trying it is thinking that they're going to have to rely on it for life obviously you're super knowledgeable about the body doing what you do is there while you're weaning off is your body able to produce start producing serotonin itself again or is it limited by the fact that you are taking this pill that fucking introduces it like ex-
0: exogenously so um no no you can okay. like over a period of time um so i guess fast forwarding to now we'll skip a few bits for a minute um uh, recently i did a lot of work on myself um Sort of upstairs, yeah. Uh, trying to, you know, just put some things to bed that I that I haven't been able to deal with, and um, and uh, focus on different areas of my life, and and I've come to this point where I I had the courage, and I was like, yeah, I, I can do this. Like I'm I'm in a good spot in my life right now. I'm happy. I'm I'm um, in control upstairs. Like I can cope with stresses so much better than i ever could so i embarked on the journey yeah you know to to come off antidepressants so um that started probably eight months ago Uh, i did a lot of work with a actually did a lot of work with an nlp coach um as well as sort of like a lot of work sort of doing my own study and meditation and and um and just change of mindset, like, um, you know, how how I saw things, whether they were a negative or a positive. And, yeah. um, so at first I was like, right, okay, I'm going to drop down to, to three quarters of a pill. And I did that for a week. And I'm like, right, I've gone to a half. <laughs> did that for another week. And then boom, I got bitch slapped. And not... I didn't get depressed, but I had the worst withdrawal symptoms you could imagine. And that was just going down half a pill, like the worst. I felt like shit. And I was like, hang on a tick. I'll oh, fuck this up. So um, I, I went back up to three quarters and uh, did a bit of bit more study. And I saw a lot of people that are in a situation like me. Because Google, there's a lot of people on Google, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're all doctors, no? Uh, and um, I saw a lot of people saying like it can take, like some serious time. Like some people are saying like I came off and, and I felt like just a little bit low for like almost a year. I was like, wow, like, you know, we're already susceptible to depression and anxiety and now we're coming off these pills. We're going to be at a, at a vulnerable state for a longer period of time. And this is why I'm saying like having the tools in the shed to be able to cope with that. You know what I mean? So yeah. don't, that, that's like a massive piece of advice is don't just, be like I feel good now so I'm going to go ahead and do this like you've got to have done the work you've got to understand how to um, how to like recognise a situation that's happening and cope with it uh, with strategies that you've learnt from various sources yeah. you know what I
1: mean it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of confidence in yourself to actually implement yeah shit in that situation yeah like I had that fucking freak out on the weekend yeah about how I looked and even then like with all the shit that I do, everything that I've read, everything that I do day in, day out, I still
0: couldn't cope with it. Yeah, you still... I just
1: found myself sitting at the fucking
0: beach (laughs) contemplating my life. Yeah, so, and, and, you know, that's the thing. Like, that stuff happens. Like, we're not all going to be perfect, you know what I mean? Um, So I went from this three quarters uh, back up to this three quarters of a pill and stayed there for a while. Probably two months because I was like, "Holy shit! I don't know if I want to go through that." Uh, <clears throat> then dropped down to half, and I wasn't rushing anything. Like, don't rush it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dropped down to half, and um, <clears throat> probably after about a week, kind of felt a bit of a shift. Uh, and again, not necessarily depressed, but can get a little bit anxious and feel a little bit, um, a little bit like you. You're almost like a bit jittery and you know, you're having a withdrawal and then <clears throat> stayed on that for months Okay. again. And each time I've dropped, it's been because something inside me has just been like, you are ready to do this today. Yeah. I haven't forced that, you know, and uh, at first I was forced again, then I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> now about four weeks ago, I went down to a quarter. Damn. And, that had the most minuscule effect on me um, out of all of them so far. Like I literally went down to a quarter. One week later, I had like half a day where I felt a bit funky, a bit funny in the head, like as a legitimate withdrawal, not like anything else. Yeah And it was gone and I've, and I've been on a quarter of a pill now ever since. <clears throat> and, um, and funny enough, each stage of dropping accompanied with all the mindfulness work that I'm doing I felt better and better and better and better and more in control and more like I don't know um, a part of the work I did with my NLP coach was kind of like I didn't want to be reliant on anything I felt like I wanted to be free and how can you be free and non-reliant if you are on antidepressants like what happens if shit hits the fan tomorrow, right? If you if you've got into any of that, like uh, what, like doomsday prepper shit, like they've got that thing. If shit hits the fan, yep. like I can't go down to the chemist and get fucking antidepressants and not suffer a four week with, you know, like a hard withdrawal. That that to me, I don't know. Like that's one of the things. Like I don't think shit's it's gonna hit the fan, but that's like I'm re- so reliant on that. you gotta start building the bunker and fill it up man fucking hell you know um so i you know being free of that burden and being in control like for me having freedom and control is really important that's one of the things that um that really has helped me go through this at at the moment yeah and like every time like I drop that and I get in more control and I feel better about myself and I think my life is heading in the right direction <clears throat> um, it gets better and better and and like now I'm sitting on this quarter of a pill you know and even a few times over the last few days even I've been like oh I could probably just drop this but I won't because I, I don't want to I'm in charge you know what I mean I'm in control yeah. of what's going on so um, I might even go, I might even split this quarter and, and just do a couple of weeks like that. Just so I don't know that I'm in control, like, and I, and I can cope with what's going down. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Do you have a time frame for it at all? No. Nah. You just go and by feel.
0: I know that when I went to the chemist and bought antidepressants last time, I knew that was the last time I'd ever have to go to the chemist and buy antidepressants again. Yeah, that's cool, man. That felt fucking amazing. It felt really good. Um, so so I know that this is my last pack sitting in the cupboard. Yeah. And and I've got the confidence now and I feel good like I feel in control um of everything that's happening in my life. Um and I still have the odd like down day, but I don't, I don't I don't get depressed. Yeah. I haven't been depressed in I don't know how long. Years, right? I was just clutching onto the drugs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I've, I've felt good, and now I'm just going through this part of my life. <laughs>
1: That's cool man, congrats. Yeah. Um, what you said with the having the tools in the shed, um, using in NLP, and obviously changing your mindset. Obviously, changing it pretty drastically to go from someone who's reliant on the medication. So now going to the chemist and thinking, yeah, this is going to be the last fucking pack mm. I buy. and This is going to be the last script I use. Mm. That takes probably takes a lot of hard work, a lot of self-awareness and a lot of time invested. You did say NLP. Can you sort of run us through some of the things that have been most effective that you've learnt and implemented along the way?
0: Yeah. Um doesn't have to just so, be NLP. So I think when I say I've used this sort of little NLP sort of like coaching um, thing that I've been doing as the most recent thing, but I've done NLP stuff before. Yep. And I've also done, um, I've seen psychologists and I've done all sorts of little tools and that sort of stuff. So um, some of the things that... I find the most effective like I want to say yes I meditate every day but I don't (laughs) I don't don't know many people that do man (laughs) in fact I'll go through phases where I will meditate a couple of times and then it's probably been like four months since I've done a meditation they're always guided and stuff like that I've never really I want to dig into that rabbit hole but you know I just try and find my time um so but I think for me being able to um view a situation as something that is like not necessarily um, emotional Mm -hmm. well you might have emotions in that situation be able to really take a step back from a situation that's causing you hardship or grief or anxiety and and analyzing what is going on and and coming up with a a better solution in your mind so i read a book recently called the obstacle is the way yeah um that's an amazing book and the gist of it is take an obstacle any obstacle in your life, and that is your way through it. And you've just got to work out the pathway, right? If, I'm gonna use a recent example. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, I wonder if I will mind if I use them as an example. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so. he probably um, won't listen, that's all right. Yeah, you won't actually. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> In my role, um, as a side project to working with um, RFX, I have my own little sort of like group of athletes that do TPS, so training performance system, which is my little programming business. Um, I basically write custom programs for clients that are wanting to uh, sort of get better at CrossFit. And um, one of my clients is actually my brother-in-law, and. He, he had a good year of training, but he, um, he didn't do better in the open this year and the plan was to do better. My other clients did um, and he didn't. So he, I said to him, don't feel like that you have to stay with me um, because, it, well, I don't want you to feel like you have to stay with me. Um, if you feel like you need to go to see someone else, because maybe, maybe what I'm doing isn't right for you. I don't know. You know, all I know is that I can like look at what happened and change and, and try and do things different, but I can't guarantee anything. And I, even like, this was only four or five months ago. And I, even then I didn't have the confidence I do now. So, um, in here, terms of in myself, your ability. Yeah. In my ability. So um, he actually went and started doing some programming with another, more to the story, but with with somebody else. And that was hard for me to deal with. Someone that I'd been working with for three or four years who I was close to, who had put their trust into me. And then all of a sudden I was in this situation where like, am I good enough? I couldn't get this person better. Um, They've gone to somebody else, like, what am I doing? So there was my obstacle, like, right in front of my face i didn't know what what to do so thus i i really tried to to um, think about how i was going to approach this and it wasn't easy i'm not going to say it was easy yeah i can't imagine it would be um but what happened was i was like right fuck it i'm going to go back to the drawing board i'm going to look at what i did this year and i'm going to make things different and um, I changed a few things the way that, I, that I, I work. I actually went out and just did the work. I studied, I did everything I could to work out where I was going wrong. And um, I found a shitload of answers. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I started implementing all these things. Um, and everything just got so much easier. You know, like a lot of my clients started getting better, quicker. Um, the support structure was there for them. I was learning more, I was way more confident in what I was delivering. Um, and just good things sort of happened around that. I picked up another athlete that um, is, you know, a very good athlete that has got a good potential of making the games next year. Well, yeah, um, And just by going away and doing the work and working out where I went wrong and what I needed to do, um, and how I could make things better. It actually made me a, such a better coach, like so much better in what I was doing um, that y- as much as it was hard for me to deal with and, and being like, am I a failure? Or, you know, um, I got so much out of that. And now to the point where I'm like, wow, this is probably one of the best things that's happened to me. Like yep. I needed this kick in the ass to make me better. You know, so that obstacle became my catalyst for growth. Yeah when whereas
1: most people would probably let it tear them down yeah. to a point where they question their value or their worth and then become a little bit bitter about it because I did I
0: question myself so many times like maybe I'm just not good at this am I not good enough you know what I mean um, and that's hard to deal with especially when that's your passion yeah and I was a bit down through that time and you know through that time, obviously coming off antidepressants as well. you yeah. know, like, <laughs> Good mix. Yeah, good mix. But I grew out of it, you know, and I'm still like, I'm still on this massive high from it, like, because I feel like things are getting so much better for myself and for my athletes and for my, for my little side business. And, um, just things are going in the right direction. Um, and it was good for him too, because it gave him some clarity about what, what, what he was doing and, and so he's going through a growth phase as well yeah. um, which is exactly what he needs you know what I mean so like I could look at all the negatives and be like oh you know I'm shit and, and this person left me and like they don't they want don't, to they, they um, well they're not a part of our crew anymore and that you know but everyone's got their reasons for doing what they've got to do you know what I mean um, everyone's got their own journey so I could tear him down about his journey, but at the end of the day, like if you look at what the obstacle was, and 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 he might come back to me and and do training through me, or he might go to somewhere else, but I'll support him in his journey no matter where he goes because he's my brother, yeah, brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I guess I wanted to use that example because that is a good example of how you can take something that's a negative and 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 find the the silver lining. I guess you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so. That's real important too,
1: especially yeah. when you are going through anxiety or depression, because yeah. a lot of a lot of moments like that would be the triggers to spiral. Yeah, spiral.
0: That's like whether you want to be the victim. You know yes. what I mean? Like you, you've got some people that no matter what happens, they're always going to choose the negative pathway. There could be a thousand other positive pathways, but they are conditioned to go down that rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's where the work is most important. Like when, when you're looking for tools to deal with issues, it's like um, what things are going to allow you to like be guided into the right direction rather than the wrong direction, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you've got obstacle as the way in learning your lessons from resistance or obst- obstacles that come up throughout life. Um, used NLP, the Neuro Linguistic Programming. And how did you use that exactly to change your mindset?
0: Um, Just before we go into that, there's one thing that um, I will say is you... One thing that actually my my boss Amanda says to me, um, she's like, you're the sum of the five people that you're around the most. Yes. Right?
1: That comes up every episode, man. (laughs) (laughs) Does it really?
0: (laughs) Well, fucking it's true it is like if you are in a shit situation put yourself in a situation where you're around people that are going to bring you up not bring you down Mm -hmm. like choose your friends you know what i mean like it is such an important part of becoming better
1: you know yeah and that's probably part of the reason that you jumped on that bandwagon getting into party drugs yeah because the five people you're around the most are probably into
0: that shit. Yeah, it's right, you know, you get <laughs> like if you want to become successful in business, hang around people that are successful in business, you know. Yeah. If you don't want to be around negativity, then you need to find people that are positive and be around them, you know what I mean? Like and that doesn't mean go hang around them and start trying to bring them down, you know? Yeah. Like that don't don't Yeah, don't try and bring bring people down to your level, you know what I mean? Try and bring yourself up to theirs. Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: So on the NLP, how did you use that to change your mindset? So my coach... um, Obviously
0: it's something you paid for, so if you're not comfortable going to in depth, that's fine. No, no, that's fine. So um, my coach, I can't remember the exact things, she did a bunch of tasking with us basically, where we sort of had to do some kind of mindful work and um and she teaches you some tools like you know daily gratitude meditating in the morning setting yourself up for the success in the morning which is really important um that just touching on that gratitude like if you really spend some time thinking about the smallest things and being grateful for them they can really set you up to be in a good mood like i don't know if it's just me but how good does it feel when there's like pissing down with the rain outside and you're snuggled up inside and it's nice and warm and you're watching TV, like, how can you not be grateful for that, you know? Yep. (laughs) Um, And if you really think deep about it, like, it's such a simple thing, but if you really put yourself into a mindset where you're like, oh, man, this is just amazing, like, you can actually, like, make your body feel so good just by thinking about the stupidest shit, you know? Um, So that's, like, practicing gratitude is... Is something that um, you know we should do every day. Um, so she, she taught us like little bits of little tools like that, gratitude, um, like how to set goals. Um, we also did a, a little bit of like timeline therapy. So she'd okay. sort of go back into in kind of like a semi meditative type of state. Yeah. Um, we'd sort of sort of go back into our past a little bit and, and work out where um, patterns started. Uh, that were sort of negative patterns for us. Okay. Um, and then we would try to work out what the silver lining of that negative pattern was. So um, if there was... One of my situations, funny enough, was um, actually I went back f- into my mum's childhood, Okay. which was <laughs> really kind of funky. Was it through a vision or...? Uh, it was kind right. of like a like a talking cat- it through no like you, you've got a, you go into this meditative state and you, and you can go back into past life um, or you know you, things negative events from your parents life can carry on into yours of course. Um, so one of the events um, my mum used to um, be uh, abused by a dad um, I think it was violence okay. I don't know if it was sexual abuse at all um and you know I was like trapped in this room and uh and he was standing at the door and like I couldn't get out you know what I mean so uh, and I was my mum right yeah uh and that was that feeling of like not being in control and, and helplessness yeah that helplessness you know what I mean and that was kind of what I suffered a lot of so it was about working out what the message was how I could you know and for me that it, it it it's a hard one because like what do you do? You're stuck in a room. You, someone's standing in the doorway that you're shit scared of. Like, but the message was like, to you know, yes, that situation at that time was shit, but you know, you you'll get you'll break through that situation, and 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 once it's done, you, you're okay. You know what I mean? Like, it was like. If it was me now, obviously, I'd put my fist through his face, <laughs> but, but um, it was just it was just more that like, yes, you know, in that situation, it wasn't ideal. Um, I, I wasn't in control, but, or my mum wasn't, but that once that was over, like everything was going to be okay, you know what I mean? It, uh, and yeah, so it was a bit of a funny one, you know? Yeah. But just to go back into these like past experiences um, and then try and find a message, you know what I mean?
1: Okay. And you've,
0: did you come to the conclusion that
1: from those moments that's sort of where your anxiety starts, that feeling of helplessness?
0: I think something that I've gone by for a long time in my life is that one thing is never enough. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean by that? well you can't just go let's you can't just go do one session of nlp and uh and do like a breakthrough session where you you've you've pinpointed a thing and then all of a sudden everything's going to be okay because that shit ain't going to happen yeah like you've got to do multiple things and at the end of the day which one of those is what made you better you don't know like you same with like i had golfers elbow like and i did so many different types of treatments to fix that. Like, you know, I did prolotherapy. I did freaking, you know, eccentric weight to work. I did massage. I did ultrasound. I don't know which one fixed it. I just tried them all. And and a combination of just putting the energy towards it and, and trying to fix it got it there in the end. And that's the same thing with any of this type of work. Yeah. Like NLP is not going to fix you. You know what I mean? A yeah. psychiatrist or a psychologist isn't going to fix you. Reading a book's not going to fix you. But if you do all those things, um, you're gonna find those tools are gonna build up over time and then you're going to get the necessary things that you need, but it's constant work, you know?
1: Yeah, sort of like stocks, man. Like you can have that breakthrough session and hit your high, but you're always gonna regress to the mean, so it's about finding that next thing that's gonna keep you up there or continuing that that breakthrough session, whatever it was you're doing that got you to that point in the first place.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously I did the, the NLP work, um, but yeah, uh, just trying to think what else.
1: And what about, what did you get out of your, I know you've seen the psychiatrist, and they put you on the medication.
0: You said you saw a psychologist as well? So let me talk about this a little bit, cause something just springs to mind. If you go see a psychiatrist, yeah they are going to put you on drugs, okay? Because that's what they do. Yes. If you go see a psychologist, they're going to do cognitive therapy with you and they're gonna do their thing. If you go see an NLP specialist, they're gonna do NLP on you, right? Like, each one of them has their specialty and they're gonna focus on that, that thing, you know what I mean? Um, so, what's the question again? Uh, what
1: did you get out of the psychologist?
0: Oh, right. Okay. So, um, I think with, with a the psychologist, they, um, they tend to shy away from antidepressants and yeah. they, they try and use uh, tools like cognitive behavioral therapy and and um, like where you, you know, read lines over and over again of, of like affirmations and stuff like that. And they just try and, Talk through situations um, to help you, and I got a lot out of doing that. Um, when you when I saw a psychiatrist, I definitely had uh, a depressive anxiety spectrum disorder, and we were just looking for drugs to help manage that. Um, when you see like a an NLP coach. Um, everything is created by yourself and what you do, you know what I mean? So you can create. Cool. Um, So there's, uh, my recommendation obviously is to try the various forms, you know what I mean? Like some things work for some people, some people don't buy into the bullshit of NLP, you know? Um, I take everything as a valuable tool and I use the things that I need um, or the things that I can comprehend and understand and use what I, what I use. You know, I don't judge anything as being crap or not or not, not the right way to go because the right way to go is the way that gives you results.
1: Yeah, that's a real good way to put it, man.
0: Yeah. Um, as soon as somebody says to me, oh, that's shit, I'm like, says who? Yeah. <laughs> like, have you done it? Have you done every other thing as well? Because uh, it's only, you know, like, yeah it's all down
1: to experience yeah. if it's shit for you doesn't mean it's going to be shit for someone else yeah don't judge things yeah. I've heard a lot of people tell me about you know the bad side effects of them taking antidepressants but you know from people like yourself and a friend of mine who has done real well on them mm. you know, it's all down to experience
0: yeah and what does it mean to you to be on them, a lot of people yeah. are like I don't want to be on these They're, you know like it's like they they want to be in control, but they don't have control. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: So you've got to be open to it in the first place. like someone going into NLP thinking, nah, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to
0: get what you can out of it if you're going in like that. Exactly. Like there's one of the biggest uh, sort of sayings I've been saying over the last sort of four or five weeks is there's no, there's no wrong, there's just different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because in everything in life, there's so many waste of skin a cat you know like and and some things work some things don't work but there's no wrong really there's just different ways to to do it you know
1: yeah that's cool man yeah um i guess we can probably move on from your story now and having covered i guess most of the recovery with you seeing a psychiatrist getting on the medication been on it for 15 years you're now weaning off mm. um Trials and tribulations. You tried weaning off fast, didn't work, didn't and now much. you've reset and you've weaned off fairly slowly. Yeah. Nine months, you said,
0: yeah. been to date. Yeah, and and I've heard the longer you're on it, the longer you need to take. Okay, I've I've had people taking year to do it. You know what I mean.
1: And do that takes a lot of patience. Yeah, to do that. So congrats on that. That's <laughs> yes. cool. I can't wait to hear when you're off it. Yeah, but um, couple also, of weeks. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Um. And then also having the NLP and I guess reading and studying, learning on your own stuff Mm -hmm. like Obstacle is a way. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm probably reading about um, two to three, two books a month at the moment. Okay. Um, And maybe listening to like one or two podcasts a week on various subjects, which could involve fitness or could involve um, like mindfulness, health, you know. Yeah. Um, as a part of my work, that's what I do. I'm constantly trying to learn. So picking up those tools along the way have been really helpful. Also, um, I started writing something called Mindful Mondays for yep. my athletes, uh, or not my athletes, for the gym for RFX. And uh, I guess that was kind of me trying to get pe- to lead the community in a more positive, direction yeah so
1: like, with any community that's tight lit, tight knit like yeah. a crossfit box
0: there's going to be cliques there's going to be tension between certain yeah. groups and it's like trying to get people to kind of take a look at the the little things like if somebody is getting themselves down because somebody um, you know did better than them on the leaderboard it's like trying to take a look at like why is that affecting you so badly you know yeah. Or if there's sort of like, uh, you know, arguments going on within the community or... Um, one thing that my NLP coach did tell me was like, you can... You know, I said, how do I how do I um, sort of like help to to make the community more positive and grow? And, and she said, well, you can educate them, you know? Yeah. Give them something to talk about that isn't last Friday night getting drunk and making a titty of yourself. You know what I mean? Give them something to talk about that's sort of a positive mind frame or something that's going to help them, you know, and that made a lot of sense and yeah. uh, implementing little bits each week um, I think has started to have like a ripple effect.
1: And I think especially someone in your position obviously being respected among both RFX clubs mm. as the programmer, head yeah. programmer, as someone in that position, like you have the authority, man. And yeah. That sort of, information dissemination from you is only gonna be like welcomed warmly, especially by the people who need it i hope so so congrats for actually starting it yeah and i hope it's something you continue
0: i think i will <laughs> like more to the point like oh do i do i do this but put it out to public you know Yeah. as well you know i don't know okay. but that that you know we had a little conversation this morning at breakfast you know about like well, where do you i see a lot of Especially females, because I guess the majority of my clients are female. Yeah. But just just having issues with like the the image and and um, and you know struggling day to day, coping with with stress of work and life, and um, just not feeling confident in themselves. And I'm like, like you know, there's a lot of this out at the moment. You know what I mean? Like, what can we do to make that better? You know. Um, And hopefully that just things like Mindful Monday, which is just, by the way, Mindful Monday is for the audience. It's like a a weekly sort of post that I do um, with some sort of an example and some tools on on situations to help you to be a little bit more mindful about a situation, you know? It's definitely something to think about
1: building an email list around too. Yeah, yeah. If it's um, good content, if it's
0: valuable. Funny, I just write stuff that I've might have learnt during that week on something that I've been listening to or it's reading. It's the best way to do it though. Or just an experience sometimes. Most of the time I I have got to do it tomorrow and I'll sit down and I'll probably look at the screen for 2 minutes, think of something and then start typing and then <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the confidence thing like is it is it going to be okay, isn't it? Doesn't matter. Some people it's going to resonate with, some people it won't, but if it helps somebody, you know. Yeah.
1: Well, it's just like you saying when we had the break with the knock at the door yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if this content's going to be riveting but man it's going to fucking impact someone's life no matter what yeah hopefully yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's definitely going to touch someone who's thinking about medication yeah that's yeah. for sure
0: I think with, definitely with medication like you need to don't write it off you know I think it's an important part of the whole process for healing exactly um, and you're not weak you know you're actually strong by going ahead and taking it you know what i mean and, and and at least taking the first steps to to coping with your with your situation
1: yeah if it's going to give you that time to step back and look at how
0: you're taking control of your thoughts then fuck yeah, yeah. why not yeah i didn't dig much deep into the things that have happened in my life but there has been plenty of opportunities for me to um, feel shit about myself yeah <laughs> but um, you know that's that's not I guess for me that those haven't sort of like um, impacted you yeah like they have along the way and I guess that's why I've been on medication for so long because I've had regular stresses of high impact along the way that I don't think I would have been able to cope with yeah do you know what I mean so you know just life events that have gone on um over the years you know what i mean so um and just on that like we are in a high stress high paced life Yep. you know like this isn't what it was 50 years ago like daily we've got so many stresses where you know Mum and dad are both out working now just to pay for the mortgage. You know, we've got social media beaming in our faces all the time. Like, it is, it's no wonder we've got more and more people that are, are suffering with, with mental disorders because yeah, they, don't, they don't know how to cope with that. We're not designed to cope with that, you know?
1: And that's exactly why stories like this and stuff you're doing with Mindful Mondays is important. Yeah. As the paradigm shifts to one where mental health and the mental health space does blow up into this, fully fledged
0: space of its own yeah Yeah. I mean it's good you're seeing a lot of it now so cool man
1: Um, moving on and a couple quick questions before you wrap up and you can let your kids out the room yeah (laughs) 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 I'll take the chain off the door (laughs) Um, life now so having been through everything you've been through um, travelling Kalgoorlie with your or travelling WA with your parents and then you know, having to go through all this with anxiety and depression 15 years on medication and all this self work what would your quality of
0: life like be now? Um, my quality of life now is fucking amazing <laughs> um, It, for me I think it gets better every year Like, if if you use not many people can say that man yeah, I don't know, I, I'm going through this phase where I'm just like grateful for a lot of things, you know, like I I went through some hard yards, like with um, some changes in my in my job and, and over the years, like I've changed career like four or five times and moved, I've lived in New Zealand for a few years, lived in Kali, Kalgoorlie for years, like um, gone through marriage breakups and and um, bankruptcy and all sorts of like things along the way and um, each time if you take a little bit of some of the mistakes you made and learn from them um, things get better and better and I really think I've got it right this time you know what I mean um, I love the job that I'm in right now um, I've got an amazing family I you know I pay the bills every week like we've all been through those stages i've been through stages where i couldn't pay bills you know like relying yep. on parents and as we talked about before one of the things that really um i struggle with the most is being reliant on somebody else you know what i mean yeah um but yeah my quality of life now is cracker it's awesome I'm getting better good to hear <laughs> <laughs> um
1: what have you added to your life or removed from it to improve the quality of it oh obviously you're weaning the medication so don't count that
0: yeah what have i added or removed to improve the quality one of the things that oh that's a good question I think the best ad that I've had recently is that ad of always looking for the learning. Yeah. Yeah, so no matter what the situation is, what can you learn out of that situation to improve? Not, fuck, that was a negative situation (laughs) and everybody look at me, I'm sad, wow, wow, you know, like (laughs) it's look at a situation Work out where it went wrong and use that learning to be better.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's powerful. And that's—I think I heard something about that on the Aubrey Marcus podcast. With that's the point of gratefulness in the mornings to rewire your brain to actually look for something to be grateful for in the moment. And I guess that's what you're doing with that. Well, that—that that makes from the
0: obstacle. That makes heaps of sense. Like we are wired. neural patterns are wired to fire in a certain way you know and if if your neural patterns are wired up to be angry all the time it doesn't matter what the situation is you're going to be angry all the time you know what i mean and practicing gratitude is one way to shift that neural pattern to a, a pattern of of gratefulness and and with gratitude you get all the feelings of like happiness and and fulfillment um so, if you're regularly practicing that over time, that starts to change your body to feel those ways more often, you know. So, that's... It can be hard at first, like, if you're a negative Nelly. Of course. <laughs> you're like, oh, what, I don't like anything what am I life. grateful for? What? <laughs> I've got power. Oh, my house is a piece of shit, though. You know, you can always find, like... <laughs> like, you can literally oh. always find a negative, you know. Yeah. But, but that's not, like, if you you always if you're always looking for the negative, you're always gonna find it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you do.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly the same for being grateful then. Yeah. It's cool, man. Um so speaking of gratefulness, what are you most grateful for at the moment? Uh,
0: what am I most grateful for? Probably my job yeah yeah, awesome man (laughs) and
1: I guess that the next question is going to be what do you feel your purpose is in life does that tie into
0: that question you being grateful for your job so let's just face facts here (laughs) finding your purpose is one of the most challenging things that anyone can do and it may change over time as well (laughs) and and that's okay Uh, and I think recently I've been I feel like I've found my purpose and obviously everyone's got the same purpose and that's to help people and yes it is but it's also for me I love to learn and I love to share what I've learnt with people and to teach people to make them better Yeah. but it's only you only feel fulfilled if you're doing it in something that you love (laughs) do you know what I mean? Yeah um so yeah so my job does fulfill my purpose i think and which is to help people and to lead and to make them better you know what i mean
1: okay and in terms of tps and what you're doing with the work in your job what is it you're specifically trying to help them get better
0: just improve their quality of life basically um strength health fitness um, obviously I enjoy the competitive side of it because I, I, I like that and that there's fulfillment in that for me too because if somebody it took me a while to I guess <clears throat> it took me a while to change my purpose from being about me to being about other people so like feeding um, so, your ego do <clears throat> you mean like No, for example, like I've always wanted, I've never been the person that likes to watch things. I've always been the person who wants to be. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? So to change that relationship with myself to being about other people um, has actually made me so much happier. (laughs) Less pressure, too. Less pressure. But so I'm fulfilled when other people achieve, especially when I've had a hand in helping that happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, whereas, and I'm less centered around what I'm doing personally, you know, because, it, you know, I don't know, I just, I don't know why.
1: <laughs> it's, it's like the self-fulfillment in the validation, knowing that you've helped them achieve but then the gratefulness you get from someone.
0: Yeah. And I don't, I don't, now I'm not looking to be better than anybody else. Like let's just use CrossFit for example. Like I like, I still want to be as good as I can, but I don't let it get to me. Like if somebody else is better than me, somebody in my exact situation could feel really, um, really like shit if they're being beaten by all the athletes around them because they've been doing it for so long and they're they're like a, a- They're the coach. They're the coach, you know what I mean? But I'm like, if you're beating me, I'm doing my job and I'm doing it damn well. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want. I that's want, cool, man. Yeah.
1: Not many people can get to that stage. No, they can't. That, takes, that actually takes letting go of part of your ego.
0: Oh, massively. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like having fun with it. But, um, and I like to try and challenge people. But if, you know, if you're too worried about people around you being better than you, then you're going to stump your own growth. Exactly. Yeah. Even as an athlete, if you don't, if you get all like anxious and worried when someone beats you, then you're going to stump your own growth. You've got to, they're going to help make you better. Exactly. I want my athletes to be surrounded by better athletes. Like on, if you're going to get there and get all pissed off because someone's beating you or something or get all down on yourself, well, you're missing the point, you know? Yeah, well, you see all
1: these top, top level, elite cross for athletes working out together at Rich Froning's fucking farm yeah. there's no way that someone who they know they're not going to beat Froning or Fraser would go there and think now nah, fuck that like I'm not going to do this because you're going to beat me yeah like they know that they are the average of the five people they spend the most time yeah. with so they're going to level up you know they're going to level up instead of worrying about how they're perceived definitely okay um now, I guess the last question, if you had the opportunity to put a message on a billboard, um, tens of thousands of people would see it every day, what would it be? Oh, shit. I should really email these questions through so yeah, people should. can think about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of good to be put <laughs>
0: Freestyle. on spot. Um, could be any message, eh? Not testicles. Not testicles. (laughs) Life is like a fart. (laughs) Yes. If you've got to push too hard, it's probably shit. (laughs) All right. Does it get a poo emoji at the end? (laughs) That's awesome, man. I guess guess for the poor audience who has no idea what I'm talking about, (laughs) um, Lucky and I had a little chat earlier and, and, uh, and that was kind of like, if, if you're pushing way too hard at something, it's just not meant to be. Sometimes you've got to just move on and try something different. I use that analogy maybe more so in business. Yeah. Um, but you know, things have a way of kind of like manifesting if, you, if, if they're right, yeah. you know what I mean? And if they're wrong, then you're probably heading in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? If, if you're pushing too hard, it's probably shit.
1: <laughs> and, and to give it a little more context, we're talking about Open Up and your training performance system. Correct. And how you really haven't put too much effort into it, but because you are providing the value and you are providing a service that people want and need, it's you know starting to blossom and snowball on its own. And yeah. What I'm finding the same with Open Up is not giving a fuck about making money from it or getting validation or you know some sort of status with it it just seems to pick up on its own Mm. especially if if you are providing the value yeah so at least we're pushing it hard into something that's not shit that's right (laughs) don't mind a good fart (laughs) 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 i didn't think you'd come up with that um we'll wrap up man and um before we do just want to acknowledge you for first of all taking the time to do this Cheers. um Obviously, you being that figure you are in RFX, it's a little exposing. I know you've shared a little bit about it, but thanks for taking the time to do it, having the courage to actually talk about shit like this mm. that is close to your chest. Um, and for all that you're doing with TPS, and I hope you do, like you said, go down that route of providing some sort of mindset, mentoring or coaching along with your yeah. system. It's something that's probably, well definitely needed in that space, man. So cool. thank you for all that you do. Cheers. <laughs> Yo, what's up, everyone? Thank you for listening to today's episode, episode number 20 with Clint Hodgins from RFX and Training Performance System. Hope you got something good out of that uh, little chat between myself and him. Uh, now, throughout the episode, he talked about NLP and timeline therapy and how that really helped him to break that barrier of feeling unworthy when his client, his brother-in-law, left him and his training system that he had created. Um, Not only does he talk about having to learn and grow himself to push himself beyond what he currently knew so he could grow and evolve and become a better person, a better trainer, um, but he talks about how NLP and that timeline therapy helped him. And because it did help him so much and because it's helped his brother-in-law, um, his sister-in-law, you know, many people within Clint's circle actually break through their barriers and, you know, change change their lives in a sense, change their limiting beliefs. I thought it's only right that I disseminate that information and give you the contact to the woman who actually helped him break through that that plateau, that barrier. Her name's Jen Fogarty, and I'll put her contact, her number, her email and her facebook in the description below or in the show notes so if you want to get in touch with her please feel free to do so Um, tell her where you've come from tell her that you listened to the open up podcast episode with clint and Lockie, and i'm sure she'll be more than happy to have a chat to you thank you guys ciao